0: So like you, I get a ton of invitations to places, right? You get an invitation to an anniversary party, or a wedding, or a conference, or a fundraiser. Sometimes they come in the mail, sometimes they come electronically through social media. Come to this, come to this, do this, come to this, come to this. And you have to decide what to do with an invitation because it always requires an RSVP, right? We're supposed to make a decision. Every invitation is a question, right? That you're gonna say yes to, Or no to, or you're undecided about. So, yes. I get this invitation, I know it's something I wanna do. I look at it, I go, I wanna be with these people. I'll say yes and I respond yes. Or I get an invitation from you and you invite me to your wedding and I don't really care when it is. I'll pretend to check my calendar but I don't really like you so I'll say no and I'll say I was busy, right? That happens, right, every once in a while where you say no based on who the person is. So the yes and no is kind of an easy thing. You just make a decision and go with it. But this undecided category, have you been there? where you get an invitation and you're undecided. You go, "Uh, I don't know if I should go or not go. Do I want to go? Do I like those people? I'll just take it and put it on my desk, right? I I put it somewhere safe and I'll get to it another day. I'll think about it another day. Another day I'll be more clear. Another day I'll be able to make a decision. And I kind of just table it but to the person who invited you, that's like torture. Like, can't you just decide? Is it that hard? Make a decision. You're either in or you're out. What's hard about this? But I'm kinda like, I don't know if I wanna make a decision. Do I have to? And at some point, they like email you or poke you, like, are you gonna come? Tell us what you're doing, right? And you kinda have to say yes or no. One way or the other, there's an either or coming at you at some point. I don't think we like making decisions. I think sometimes we're just caught in this fuzzy middle ground and we kind of feel okay about it. We're kind of like, it's cool to be in this fuzzy middle ground, I'll stay here. We're in this new part of John, and it's a new part of the series. We're going through the book of John, and we're going to call this section of John, starting in John 7, Either or. Because I think we like to be in the fuzzy middle when it comes to Jesus. We like to live undecided. But honestly, John's purpose in writing this book, he says, I write this book to you so that you would believe in the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He's inviting a decision, either you're in, or you're out. And some of us have made that decision already, many of us probably have made a decision to be in or out, but some of us are in that camp where we're undecided and we just put Jesus' invitation on the shelf somewhere and go, someday I'll think about Jesus when I'm older, when I have more information, someday, someday, someday. But none of us know when we'll take our last breath. We certainly don't know when Jesus will return to make all things Right, but we like living in the fuzzy middle, and we don't want to have to make a decision. But John is saying that if you come to know Christ, he gives life. And it's not talking about heaven. He's talking about in the here and now, if you want joy and peace and purpose, that comes by making a decision about the Son of God. Who is he? What's he like? And he's inviting us into this deeper. So if you have your Bibles, turn, open them up, turn them on electronically to John 7. We're going to be in John chapter 7. And just a little bit of context of where we are in John 7. Jesus has already lived enough and done enough where people either love Jesus or hate him. Like he's done enough miracles, he's taught enough that based on someone's interaction with Jesus they're either like this guy is the real deal or they hate him we really like him or we really don't yeah there's some people in the middle that are fuzzy trying to figure it out but definitely he's already done enough that people are polarized about him and where we find ourselves in John chapter 7 is actually at a festival so there's something called the festival Feast of Tabernacles. It's a part of Jewish history. It's one of their three most important festivals where people are celebrating God's faithfulness to them at harvest time. So it's kind of like our Thanksgiving that God has given us so much, we're thankful. The Feast of Tabernacles is about people saying, God's been so good to us. They do something kind of odd at this festival, like we do odd things at some of our festivals. I've seen some of the festivals you go to, you do weird things. Well, they did something kind of odd. They would make a little, A little shelter, a little tent, a little hut that they would live in for seven days. And that was to remind them there was a day in their history where they didn't have a home. Well, they didn't have a place to live, and God miraculously provided them with a home and a place to live. It's kind of like going camping. You call that a vacation, but really what it's to do is make you feel really glad you have an apartment to live in because that's torture. You know, you, you live outside for a week, and you go, I am so glad I have running water, and it makes you grateful for what you have. The Feast of Tabernacles is about the Jews gathering together to say, we are so grateful that God has provided food and shelter for us. And it's this giant festival that everyone has to go to. Of course, Jesus is going to go to it. It's what he does, he goes to these festivals. But John, or Jesus' brothers, in the beginning of John chapter seven, they they say something interesting. They don't believe in Jesus, but they say, hey Jesus, you're gonna go up to the festival, right? Because you're trying to make yourself famous in everybody's eyes, and Jesus doesn't ever do what everyone thinks he should do. Jesus goes, no, I'm not going. And then pick things up in John chapter seven, verse 11. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus. And they're asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some say, Jesus is a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about Jesus for fear of the leaders. You see, Jesus' invitation has already been out there enough. He's already made claims enough that you either believe him or you try to silence him. And yes, there is this undecided middle. People are hearing him, watching him, they're seeing him do great things and they're going, I believe. And then there's the people that are hearing him and watching him and he's doing things that aren't like other people and they're going, no, I don't believe and they're trying to silence him. And then there's this in-between crowd that's just trying to figure it out. Verse 14, not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews... There were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? So they've heard him teach. They have seen his power. They recognize this is someone unique. There's something special about him, but he's just an average guy. We know who his parents are. He's a carpenter. He's never been to rabbi school. And so they're undecided. How is he acting like this? Why is he doing this? Scroll down to verse 28, where Jesus is going to explain his unique identity. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, yes, you know me and you know where I'm from. You see, they're questioning, who is this guy? Where is he from? He's saying, yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I'm not from here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You don't know him, but I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. He's making his purpose clear. This is nothing new. He's already told them that he was sent by God the Father on a rescue mission. He's already told them that me and God the Father, we're one, that I'm intimately connected with God the Father, that what the Father does, I do. So the reason I have this unique power, this unique love, the unique teaching is because I'm so connected with God the Father, I am. He's already told them, I am the Son of God. And you either believe that or you silence that. You tune it out, you turn it off, I guess you can be somewhere in the middle, undecided. But look what happens in verse 30. At this, people heard him say, I'm one with the Father. At this, they tried to seize Jesus, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Still many in the crowd believed in Jesus. They said, when the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? I mean, they're connecting the dots. There's people that are trying to silence him, but then there are people looking at him going, man, this guy teaches, he's so magnetic. There's something so powerful, so unique. Will the Messiah, the one who's to come, be better than this dude? I mean, he's a rock star. He must be the Messiah. Verse 32, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest Jesus, Jesus said to them, "I am with you for only a short time, and then I'm going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. Where I for where I am, you cannot go." He's making such claims that it makes them so angry they want to silence him. They send someone to arrest him, and Jesus is like, "Hey, don't bother. I'm going away anyway." He's like, I don't don't worry. I'm going." And, okay, where are you going, Jesus? Jesus is going to the cross. Jesus is going into a grave. Jesus is going to be resurrected from a grave. Jesus is gonna return back to God, his Father. He says to them, don't worry, I have a mission. I've been sent here by God for a purpose that through my life, death, and resurrection, I'm gonna offer you freedom. I'm gonna offer you eternal life. It's free, I'm gonna pay for it, I'm gonna give it to you. Have you been on those phone calls where they ask you, do you want a free vacation? Have you ever gotten a free vacation from those phone calls? You get sucked into that, is it ever free? Is anything ever free? No, nothing's ever free. So Jesus is offering us entrance into the kingdom of God, forgiveness of sin and shame, and life everlasting. He's offering that to us, for free, but is anything ever free? No, Jesus has to pay for that offer of forgiveness and life eternal with his own body. He throws himself into the wrath of God to offer us life eternal. And So Jesus comes from God the Father. He's connected while he walks here with God the Father, so to watch Jesus is to watch God He's so connected that what he says and how he loves is all directly connected to God and he will die on a cross to absorb the wrath of God. He will rise again to prove that he is God. He will ascend back to God the Father all to offer this world life and we have a choice to believe this, to silence it and say, I don't hear it anymore. Or to be undecided for a season. You can hear this stuff and be undecided. But I want to stop and just kind of talk more about these categories because I think each one of us find ourselves somewhere in this mix. His invitation to the world. You can believe me. You can be undecided for a season. But you can silence me too. And you might go, well, what's silence Jesus look like now? I can't silence him, it's like, no, yeah, you can. You think about how the people in Jesus' day tried to arrest him, silence him, shut him up as a threat. And we can do the same thing now. We can do the same thing now. You see, I think the opposite of not believing in Jesus, when you hear the claims of Christ and choose not to believe, that's not not believing, it's actually silencing. It's actually making a decision where you go, I don't want to hear that anymore because I don't agree with it. It's not unbelief, it's silence. And we still silence Jesus. Here's how. You silence him when you mute his words. When you avoid his children. When you discredit his work. I love my favorite button on that stinking remote control is mute right? Mute, because I don't want to hear anymore the commercials or something that's going on. I want to mute it. We do that with Jesus. Mute, I don't like that part of the Bible. Mute, I don't like those kinds of things he says. Mute, mute, mute. I silence him. So when he says things about who he is, I go, I don't want to hear that anymore. Silent, 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 silent. Or Think about his children. If there are people in my life that are really walking with Jesus, not perfectly, but want to follow Jesus, want to honor Jesus, want to obey Jesus, hanging out with them. If I want to silence Jesus, like, I don't want to be with those people because what? I feel like, ooh. And so silence him is saying, I'm going to avoid people that are following Jesus and I'm going to huddle by myself. Maybe I used to be a part of things with Christ, but now I'm choosing to avoid it. Or what about his works? We discredit his works. We call the work of God serendipity. Can you even spell serendipity? So why do you believe in it? We call these random things that happen in this world. We discredit that God is moving, and we talk to people that believe in God, and we go, well, you must just have that need for some kind of crutch. People are still silencing Jesus today. You're never neutral when it comes to Jesus. But what about the people that are undecided? I mean, I think there's people now that are undecided. There were people then that were undecided because when you hear these claims that Jesus is the Son of God, a person is fully God, fully man, that's kind of crazy. i got to figure this out. i got to hear more about this. When you hear that he's connected with God and his words and his actions are from God, that he died and rose again, I mean, you can legitimately sit and go, I I have to try to understand this more because this is... Different, this is weird. So I take the invitation of Christ that he says, hey, I'm gonna give you free life, and I take that invitation and I put it on my desk and I go, I don't wanna really think about that right now. Sometime when I'm older, some another day, it'll be more clear and then I'll think about it. And I push it over here, because I don't wanna have to make a decision. Perhaps one of the greatest invitations of Jesus is found right here in John chapter seven. John chapter seven, verse 37. I want you to picture in your mind this festival, this feast, with thousands of people gathered. And look at what Jesus does, John 7, 37. On the last and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, festival. Jesus doesn't want to go there at first, but decides to go up halfway through and stands up in the middle of everyone and says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. I mean, this is a bold statement. Among believers, among people that want to silence him, among those who are undecided, anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, John says, Jesus meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. He stands up among the crowd of people Three different categories, those who wanna silence him, those who are undecided, those who believe, and he says, come to me if you're thirsty, come to me if you're hungry, come to me if you're longing, come to me if you're not satisfied with your life, come to me and I will satisfy you, I will fill you, incredible invitation, bold statement, public, in front of everyone. He says, hey, come to me, I got you, modern translation. But it's interesting to me because he does this at the Feast of Tabernacles, this great and mighty festival where they're celebrating the the faithfulness of God. And all these Jews are there who know the Bible. They know prophecy and the messianic prophecy that's fulfilled in Jesus speaking these words in this moment. Come to me if you're thirsty. Watch what I can do inside you to change you. It echoes from the prophecy of Isaiah 44, Isaiah 55, Ezekiel 36, Joel chapter three, Zechariah 14. I put all those in your app so you can look at them. Just look at Jesus' claim in John seven and compare it to these prophecies that are hundreds of years old where God says, I am gonna send a Messiah and Jesus stands up at the Feast of Tabernacles in a loud voice and says, it's me, I'm the one who can satisfy everything you ever want and need. Guess who accepted the invitation? All those undecided people who were hungry. All those people who were thirsty. All those who had searched and longed and hoped and wanted and cried and sought and tried and hear this incredible invitation from Jesus. He says, I promise that if you believe in me, something will happen inside of you. Rivers of living water will flow from within you, he says, because when you believe in Jesus, the Spirit of God takes up residence in your life and gives you peace and joy and purpose. You see, Jesus is going to die. He's going to rise again. He's going to ascend back to God. Acts 2 says he gives this Holy Spirit that comes to live inside you and change you from the inside out. He says, come to me if you're thirsty and I'll change you from the inside out. I will give you peace and joy and purpose. Is your heart stagnant? Do you sense no direction, no peace, no joy? If that's you, he says, I wanna give you that, but you gotta come to me and I have it for you. So maybe you've been undecided for a while and you put Jesus' invitation on your desk and said, I'll get back to that another day. Maybe today is the day you take that invitation and say, no, today I want it. I'm gonna RSVP to the king of the universe and I'm gonna say I'm in. And how many times has this happened where I've taken an invitation and I put it on the desk and I say I don't wanna go there, I don't like it, I don't understand, but I decide to go to your stupid wedding and I come to your rubber chicken meal and I have a fun time. I mean, how many times have we said, no, I don't want to go, but then we go, I'll go, and we go and we discover a party and we enjoy every moment of it sometimes. You're not going to have all your questions answered. You're not going to have everything tied up and you're going to be super excited about it. Sometimes you just got to go to Jesus with all your doubts and mix of feelings and say, I believe, and watch when he puts his spirit inside you, the purpose and joy that you will find because he is the king of the universe. But I wanna talk to those who believe. You know, sometimes there's a big group of us here, likely, that say we believe. Some think that believing Jesus is an event instead of a lifestyle. Sometimes we think that believing in Jesus is the day I put my trust in him. Believing in Jesus is the day I was baptized. It's an event. Sometimes believing in Jesus is coming to church, event. It's going to my small group, event. But believing in Jesus is not an event. It's a lifestyle. It's much more like a marriage where if the wedding day is all there is, then your marriage stinks. But when you are in love with someone and you walk with that person through thick and thin and up and down, it's much more than that event. It's a lifestyle together where you live connected with intimacy. And that's what the king of the universe wants with us. It's not about an event. It's about I'm going to walk with you daily. And so Christians, I'll talk to you for a moment. In John 7:37. the invitation of Christ we sometimes look at it and we think it's an invitation for non-believers. It is not an invitation for non-believers. Let anyone, believer, unbeliever, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Christian, are you thirsty? Christian, are you hungry? Christian, are you lonely? Christian, are you lost? Are you anxious? Are you depressed? Do you go to Jesus? Or do you run every which way other place trying to get that hole felt? You know, I have a choice as a Christ follower to listen to Jesus or to mute him. And that's really the only, there's no fuzzy middle if you're a son or daughter of the king today. There's no fuzzy middle where you get to choose, well, I'm just gonna sit in the middle and not say or believe or do anything. I'm either choosing to follow Jesus or I'm click, shut up, Jesus. There's really no middle ground. Son or daughter of Jesus today. Have you put your trust and say, I will believe you, follow you, honor you, listen to you, whether I like what I hear or I don't. You're the king and I am not. We like the fuzzy middle. That's not where God has you living. That's not what he wants for you because believing in Jesus is not an event. It's a lifestyle. And we want Jesus' peace. We want Jesus' joy. We want Jesus' purpose. Then how do we get it? by believing and following him on a daily basis. Maybe, Christ follower, your life is stagnant and you feel alone and discouraged and you feel like you're totally lost. Maybe it's because you've been hitting mute on Jesus for way too long and choosing to just do your own thing and then you wonder why you're stagnant, you wonder why you're struggling. If every aspect of my life I have one choice, will I listen to Jesus or won't I? If you're a follower of Christ today, it's really that simple, but we like the fuzzy middle, don't we? We just wanna choose, can I just sit here in the middle and not make a decision? No, your father has so much more peace and joy and hope for you, purpose and direction and life for you. He wants you to choose to obey him and listen to him and not mute him. Because then he will direct your path and he will make your path straight and he will give you the peace and the power to navigate anything you're facing. But the moment you just click him off and tune him out or put your hands over your ears and go, I can't hear you, I can't hear you, or you avoid his people or you deny his works, you're silencing him and you find yourself in a stagnant pool instead of living water welling up inside you and giving you everything you need for this life In the life to come. What will you do this week, son or daughter of the king? Will you choose to listen and obey and follow, or will you choose click? Let's pray. Father, you know us as humans. You know how much we don't like having to make decisions about some things. And there are circumstances in our lives as your children where we like straddling the fence. Please help us to see that there's no peace and no purpose and no joy in straddling the fence. But making a decision to believe you, to trust you, to follow you is the path to peace and the path to joy, the path to purpose, because with you is everything we need. And if you are for us, what could be against us? So may we humbly ask for your help, ask for your grace, and wait and walk, wait on you and walk with you through whatever we face today. Thank you that you're patient with us and you meet us right where we are, that you don't throw us away when we make mistakes, but instead you give us more grace to help us in our time of need. Your faithfulness is new every morning. Thank you, in Christ's name, amen.